0: Hello beautiful people, welcome to another episode of This Is Ours Podcast. I'm your host, Omeyna, and this is my podcast where our motto is to be unapologetically intentional. How's everyone doing? have the past two weeks been? um, I I, I did say I was going to be back in two weeks and look at me. So committed, I love it. Um, It hit me the other day when I was scrolling through my SoundCloud that it's been a year since i started this podcast i started this podcast last february um so it's been a year of many thoughts um 18 episodes which for me is insane um over a thousand listens combined like i just think it's it's literally insane the amount of support i've gotten um happy first anniversary to this podcast and to all the listeners Thank you for one year of amazingness, for listening and supporting me on this journey. It's definitely been a whirlwind, and I'm so, so grateful. Um, Speaking of grateful, I've decided to name, um, so last episode, I did, I started off with a gratitude, um, and my reasoning was this year, I'm hoping to remain in my gratitude regardless of, like, what I'm going through. So that's why I added on this piece, and I've decided to call it Gratitude Corner. Um, So two things I'm grateful for today in this moment. The first one, and I guess in line of just being a year into this journey, is my voice, um, and just my ever-evolving identity. This morning I was reading a Bible plan on divine direction, and there were some, some things that really stuck with me that I think reflects this gratitude and one of them was that my future is unwritten and i have more victories to win and more of god's goodness to experience and for me i think that really stuck close to home because it's so easy to be in this space where you're just like, oh my gosh, there's so many things that you know I should have achieved by now, and kind of going down the list of things that you should have done. And I actually found myself thinking of one of those things this morning before I read this plan. Um, and I think there's something freeing and peaceful. Um, about recognizing that your future is unwritten and there's so many beautiful things that are going to come your way if you are only just patient and just enjoy the ride that God has given you right now. Um, and just, you know, be grateful for what you have, knowing that there's so many more beautiful things to come. Um, so that's my first gratitude. and um, My second gratitude, I guess, kind of is in The same lines, and it's for the blessings in disguise that I'm not able to see even when they are happening. Um, And for me, this really just in thinking of this gratitude, I'm really thinking of just the intentionality of God's love for me, even when I don't see it. Because there's so many times in my life where I might be going through something and I'm just not able to see past that, but now reflecting back and just seeing how intentional god is about loving me and you know how faithful he is to me is literally just insane and i'm just so grateful for for a lot of things in my life but especially for those two things today so before i get into the new segments um, of the podcast i've been thinking again about gratitude peace and faith um some of the sub themes for 2020 that i talked about in last or the last episode, and a song came to mind. Um, It's called Even If by Mercy Me. And in the song, the band explains that even if the God they know is able to do all things, even if he doesn't save them from the fire, their hope is in their protector, their savior. And it's an amazing song for a lot of reasons. But what stuck out most for me was a line line from the beginning of the song. And it, it says, It's easy to sing when there is nothing to bring me down. What will I say when I'm held to the flame? And it got me thinking about how easy it is to keep to resolutions or themes, however you want to call it, when life seems to be going in the direction you hope and pray it goes. But the question is, what happens when life starts to look a bit different than you imagined? How do you stay focused on the things, these things that you've, you've put your mind to and you've committed to? How do you stay focused on the destiny that you know that, you know whatever higher power has for you um and so it's just one of the things i've been reflecting on especially in the past two weeks um so what do you guys think what do you folks think about just um feeling like how do you stay feeling that momentum and that passion um, when things may not necessarily be going your way um So, yeah, those are just a few thoughts um, from last week and Gratitude Corner. And so this next segment, still to be named, um, I'm still waiting for your suggestions. Um, It's basically me sharing whatever I saw on social media that got me thinking. Um, And I've kind of named it Triggered for now. But, again, I'm still waiting for suggestions. Um, And this week I have two things, and both coincidentally related to feminism – um, so the first one, Tenny the Entertainer, a Nigerian musician, who honestly I'm a fan of, tweeted this week, Y'all are feminist, quote, y'all are feminist till it's time to bend on one knee to ask a man to marry you. Aren't we equal? End quote. And honestly, I rolled my eyes the first time I read the tweet and then I went through the comments. And obviously you had people who explained to her that in fact the tweet made no sense. Um, But then the other half of the replies, which honestly were very disappointing to me, were basically on how feminist quote-unquote Twitter was going to attack Tenny and drag her. And I had a lot of thoughts reading the tweet. um, And for me, it was just another example of someone just missing the point. And I think there has been a weaponizing of the notion of feminism, like many things in society, and in this weaponizing, the point has been lost. And missing the point is dangerous when discussing something like gender equality. And by gender equality, in this case, I'm speaking strictly to binary, like the binary genders of male and female. And the reason why it's dangerous is because it perpetuates the very patriarchy that we hope to dismantle by creating a distraction from the actual message. The point of feminism, at least my feminism, is a fight for choice. For women to be seen equally doesn't mean hating men or that women are superior to men, which is what I think extremist extremist feminism will tout all day all around the place. Um, But I think it's about choice. So if a woman decides to propose to her boyfriend, that is her own prerogative. And in fact, has nothing to do with feminism. But it's her choice. As long as it's her choice, that's literally what I'm fighting for, at least as a feminist. Um, so, what do you folks think about this? I know it's been it's been a lot of discussion about it on Twitter, with a lot of people saying Tenny is right because the e-feminist, blah 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 blah. But like again, I think that's just a distraction. Like, if we go to the root of it, like what 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 does that what does it mean for Tenny to tweet something like that? And what does it mean for the discussion of what feminism actually is, as opposed to the smokescreen that is created when we say things like, Femin- feminism means, oh, women hate men, or th- things like that. So that's my first thought. Um, And then the second one is, is a hashtag, actually, that I... I came across when watching an episode of the real and it was hashtag dualipa is over and at first when i clicked on this episode of the Real, i was kind of confused because i know who dualipa is she's a i think she's british she's a british singer um and so this hashtag was trending after the grammys last week um oh i guess the grammys was two weeks ago two weeks ago um and I read an article by Refinery29 about this that I actually really liked. And basically, according to the article by Refinery29, the backstory is that a group of celebrities hit up a strip club for a night of partying and celebration after the awards show. And for some reason, a lot of people were upset that Lizzo and Dua Lipa were at the strip club, quote unquote, quote, sexualizing women, end quote, so quote, unquote, sexualizing women, which to some people they believed was anti-feminist. And basically, they believed that Dwalipa's participation at the strip club was a cancel-worthy offense. I think what is interesting about this, apart from the pervasiveness of cancel culture, which honestly is a whole different episode on its own, is the hypocrisy of individuals who categorize this as anti-feminist. Again, I think this is a very good example of when individuals just miss the point because they are so distracted by the smoke. What these people are saying, basically, by cancelling Dua Lipa, is that a woman promoting and supporting another woman's freedom and liberation in her choice of profession, in this case stripping, is somehow anti-feminist? Like, I'm I'm confused. I'm so confused. How does that work? And what is also interesting as noted in the Refinery29 article, is the double standards that exist between male and males and females. Because how come no one comes for and cancels male artists in the strip club and says that they are anti-feminist? Because I think, again, this is a whole different topic, but it speaks to how a lot of people don't think that men are feminists. Like, it's just this, like... We're just in this spider web of just, like, uh, there's smoke, there's... Like, there's just a lot going on. And I think what happens is because there's so much going on and no one willing to deconstruct or not enough people, let me not say no one, not enough people willing to deconstruct these things, what then happens is we miss the point because we're just so distracted from what is actually going on. So what do you folks think about these two, I guess very interesting takes on feminism that i have seen on um twitter this past two weeks um and ultimately i think what this just shows from me personally is that people don't really understand the meaning of feminism which is why you hear people say things like i agree with feminism and equal rights but i'm not a feminist and again, I think this is a different episode on its own. So I will leave you with this thought. What is the role about feminist feminism? And what does feminism mean to you? Um, and I'm really hoping at some point to do an episode of feminism because I think it's a very interesting buzzword. And I think there's a lot to be said about deconstructing what it means and as opposed to like what is being touted out loud. Um, so, the last segment I added before the main, the main of the episode, also yet to be named, um, still looking for suggestions. And this is the segment where I discuss some quotes from the show I'm currently watching. Um, for those new to this space, I'm always, always watching something. Um, I'm currently not binging anything because between work and school, honestly, the only thing I have time for is an episode of Love Island a day. So, but here are some thoughts I already had down from, you know, when I had time to binge. Um, and the first thought is from... Is, and the first thought goes, It's only when there is fire on the mountain that you will run, run, run. Why are you now carrying water? And this quote is brought to you by Jennifer's Diary, which is honestly one of my favorite shows ever. And the way I've chosen to interpret this is sometimes we live life in a constant state of anxiety and worry that we're not able to appreciate the things right in front of us, which I guess goes back to this idea of being grateful. When there is a fire, then you carry the water and go and run. But until then, just try and enjoy the present fire-free life. Um, The next thought, or I guess quote, is, um, Beans know they cook forever, your own beans go done. And it's actually, this thought is actually from a song. Um, by Kobams and Simi called We Plenty. And basically, for me, this means, and they go on to say this in the song, no condition lasts forever. And I think, again, it speaks to just the importance of remaining present and not worrying about the future, although it's so easy to do so, and God is still working on me because I'm a worrier. Um, But your own is coming. You just have to be patient and just... Don't carry any water yet, just wait. Like there's no fire on the mountain. Calm down. Like it it'll be okay. It'll be okay. You'll be It'll be okay, you'll be fine. And what I found is even if you're not fine, everything happens for a reason and it sounds really cliche, but there I said it. Um so now on to so those are the segments for this week. Um, I'm still waiting for suggestions as to what to name them, so, you know, hey, girl up, let me know. On to the main segment of this week's episode. So, today's episode is a bit different from what I've spoken about in the past, um, but it's, I think it's in line with my, or I know it's in line with my evolving self in that I'm finding myself deconstructing a lot of things that I have been socialized to see as the norm. Um, So this episode is titled Black Friends and friends is in quotes and to be fair I'm not sure how to summarize it so I'm just gonna dive right into it. Let me set the scene. It's January 1st unfortunately I'm sick and what I want at this point except maybe some soup and medicine is to continue my binge of living single. To give you a backstory by this time I'm about two weeks into my binge currently on season three And while in the States for Christmas, I'd been watching it on Hulu, but now I'm back in Canada. And unfortunately, and very tragically, we don't have Hulu in Canada. I had made it my mission at this point because I mean, I was in bed anyway, to figure out where to watch this show because I have a very bad habit of starting shows and never finishing them for whatever reason. So I searched, I began my search. I found it on Amazon Prime, excitement just to find out that it's not on Prime Canada. Which is another thing I'm finding is that there's so many things that are available in the States that Canada just doesn't have. So I searched all of my reliable streaming websites only to find very subpar quality. So suffice to say I was not impressed. Finally, after doing some sleuthing, I downloaded a VPN, which honestly I don't understand the mechanics of a VPN or how it works. All I know is that it changes for somehow, I don't know how it does it, but it changes your location so you're able to, like, in this case, watch Hulu, even though I live in Canada. But it got me thinking, um, this whole process that I had to go through. So we're able to watch 90s sitcoms like Friends and that 70s show very easily. I mean, these two shows are on Netflix in all the countries I've lived in. But trying to find a show like Living Single was literally like trying to answer further maths in high school. I remember having a similar issue when I was trying to watch Moesha a couple years ago. So the question what I had was why? Like, what was the difference? And I'm really beginning to notice the nuances of these things. Blame my social work brain, I guess. I was joking with a friend the other day that since I started my program, I've started to see things so differently. Even, like, a simple tweet. I didn't think my quest of finding Living Single would lead me to a conversation of I guess, like, black versus white television. But I was already there. And I mean, I can't find Girlfriends anywhere to watch. But Friends is freely available. So obviously, I was thinking, like, my wheels were turning. And what's funny is what initially drew me to living single was, of course, Queen Latifah. But also how similar I was to Friends, which at the time was one of my favorite shows and still is. So when I would describe it, at least when I first started watching it, I would describe it as like a black quote unquote Friends. Just for me to Google the show and find out that Living Single actually came out a year before Friends. Hmm. You can imagine my surprise because when you think of all the clout that Friends had gotten over the years and even until now, it really it really got me thinking. And what was honestly just fascinating was as I was writing my notes for this episode and making sure I had all the quotes right from the interviews I had watched, I stumbled upon a very interesting story. Just last week, David Schumer, who plays Ross in Friends, in a recent interview with The Guardian, was asked how he felt about a reboot of Friends immediately following a conversation about diversity on the show. And he offered up other possibilities for a reimagining of the show, I guess, in his own way of promoting diversity, quote unquote. And one of his possibilities was an all-black friend. Hmm. So Erica Alexander, who plays Max on Living Single, was quick to respond, criticizing David Schwimmer, stating, "Quote: Are you seriously telling me you've never heard of Living Single? We invented templates. You are welcome, bro. Winky face." End quote. Now, Schumer goes on to apologize, stating that he did not mean to imply living single had not existed or come before Friends, and that his interview had been taken out of context and that he meant no disrespect. Basically saying that we would have to ask the writers, in fact, um, if the story of Friends was based on living single, because from his understanding, Friends was based on the writer's experience. And I've actually found this apology to be a bit patronizing, because he just defended his comments like he didn't necessarily it didn't show that he saw anything wrong in them he just defended them and i would but the thing is i will leave you wonderful people to be the judges of that and will provide a link for the article i was reading so you can judge for yourself if his apology was in fact sincere or if it was just a patronizing defense of his comments and Yeah, it it got me thinking, and to be fair, so I still have not explained to you the premise of living single, because at this point, I think you've realized that it's very similar to Friends, and I will leave you to do your own homework um, to figure out what living single is about, and maybe this will push you to go and watch it, which would be amazing, because it's such an amazing show. I watched uh, Queen Latifah, who plays Khadija on the show, interview on the subject, and to be fair, like, she was very diplomatic. She explained how the former president of NBC, Warren Littlefield, was quoted as saying that if he could have any show on TV at the time, it would be Living Single. And then, lo and behold, like magic, film trick, a year later, Friends debuts on NBC. Coincidence? I think not. John Henton, who plays Overton on Living Single in an interview with Comedy Hype called Living Single, The Original Friends. And he explains how NBC aired Friends at the same time Living Single aired on Fox, which in a lot of ways forced viewers to choose. And it would make sense that the black viewers were more drawn towards Living Single because Living Single portrayed more of their lived experience. And it divided the markets, making it black versus white. So it was essentially pinning them against each other. And, you know, I would leave you to decide who you think won the pin against each other. And he explains how upset they were at the time, justifiably so, and how they were not, and to some extent, are still not getting any credit. And it was the lack of acknowledgement that bothered them the most, which was very understandable. It was sad for me to hear him say that he doesn't think they would ever get their credit, at least not in mainstream media, well, it was comforting to hear him talk about how their work stands up and he has all the credit they need. But still, it was still very disheartening for me to just sit there and watch this man who I'd watched portray this character so well explain how he never thought they were going to get the credit that friends got. And then, honestly, by the time I started this, I literally just went... I, at this point, I was on a roll. I was watching interview after interview reading article after article because I really wanted to understand because I had had the thought, but I didn't know because even way before I decided to talk about this on the podcast i had I had had thoughts watching living single but i didn't know if this was like a known thing or like what was going on so when i had googled it and i was seeing all these interviews i was like i mean i have to watch them at least i think i watched at least five and i will put a link to all of them so you can go you know do your own sleuthing for yourself but another video i watched was by behind the curtain who i, I think is a, it's a youtube video that um deconstructs a lot of the things that happen behind like the scenes of a lot of these like television and movies and things and i think it did a great job of explaining this because in the video the youtuber showcases some of the similarities between the shows one of them is the presence of the family dynamic so in friends you have monica and ross brother and sister and then in living single you have Khadijah and sinclair cousins and then in both shows, you have college classmates who remain friends. So in Living Single, you have Khadija and Monica, who were college classmates. And then you have Ross and Chandler, who were college roommates. And then you also have like, this like, seesaw romantic relationships between the characters. So in Living Single, you have Kyle and Max. And then in Friends, you have Ross and Rachel. So again, coincidence. So the last interview, I think one of the last interviews I watched was Erica Alexander. And as I explained, she plays Max on Living Single. And it was an interview on The ble- on the Breakfast Club. And Charlemagne asks her how she feels about Friends ripping off Living Single. And she explains how Friends was one of the names that, in fact, the network was brainstorming when it came time to name what we now know as Living Single. They were both Warner Brothers um, shows. And they were on the same, I guess, plot of land, but Living Single was on the ranch lot, which they also called the ghetto lot, quote unquote, and Friends was on the big lot. So they got all the opportunities, all the producers and all those things. And on the ranch lot, they had nothing, no air conditioning. Their craft table was just bare. And she explains how there were a lot of things in place to keep the whole down on the show and to make them not feel as valuable. And she speaks to the fact that even with less, they made so much more. And I think this speaks in a greater sense to the resiliency of black people and their ability to create beautiful masterpieces, when time and time and time again, they are giving subpar work conditions and no recognition or acknowledgement. Obviously, there's, a, there's an issue that lies in the overt similarities, but I think another important issue is the lack of acknowledgement. Living Single did not get the same accolades or recognition in awards, marketing, or anything. I think one of the only awards that anybody on the Living Single cast was offered was, I think, I think Erica Alexander got an award um, for supporting actress in a comedy. Um, check me on that. I'm not too sure, but I think so. Mind you, Friends gets all these awards and recognitions. And obviously, this speaks to another... It showcases yet another example for me of the blatant disregard for black ancestry that a country like the U.S. has been plagued with for a very long time. And of course, we can go into a tangent and talk about how, you know, black people should not wait for um, accreditation and acknowledgement from whiteness and should should be able to, you know, do it for themselves. But again, I think that doesn't take away from the fact that black artistry time and time again is not aclo- acknowledged in mainstream media and for me the realization of I guess ripping the ripping off if that's what we're gonna call it honestly that's what I'm calling it of living single by the writers of Friends it was very disappointing because I remember watching Friends my sophomore year of college and falling in love with it and if for a long time I regarded it as one of my favorite shows and Although I still really rate the show because I think it was a really good show. This realization had put a bad taste in my mouth. So actually, no, last interview. Last interview I watched was Erica Alexander again um, in an interview with Shadow and Act. And she explains that the difference between friends and living single is one of two things. Marketing and skin color. Black cast was seen as a black show and put in a cultural ghetto that will undermine the growth of the show beyond its locked-in demographic, which is locked in by the studio and the powers that be. They weren't being talked about in certain spaces. So by her saying this, what it meant for me was that they were put into this box, basically, and, you know, black people watched Living Single and those were the only people that watched it, but not because Living Single wasn't a good show, because the powers that be had locked them into, so they couldn't grow past that intentionally. They weren't allowed to go beyond that. And again, I think this speaks to the continued suppression of black art. So I went back and forth in deciding whether or not I wanted to do a whole episode on this or if I just wanted to discuss it as part of a segment. But I thought it was important to give this its time because I think the discussion speaks a lot to the importance of representation, especially for me trying, now trying to navigate a predominantly white space. Yvette Lee Browser, who is the writer and producer, uh, writer, producer, and director, I believe, um, through Living Single told a different story than, than what was on the air at the time. It showed four strong, independent black women in a way that wasn't really popular at the time. It showed professional black people that weren't trying to aspire for this idea of whiteness, but actually were just grinding and doing their own thing. And I think this discussion, another part that it also speaks to is the continued appropriation of black culture that is so pervasive in the entertainment industry. And again, this is another one of these things that could be an episode on its own, and hopefully, you know, I'll do it one day. Because if you think about it, Living Single was cancelled in the middle of its, fifth, of its fifth season, but Friends will go on to last for ten years. As a society, I feel like a lot of times there's aversion from, quote unquote, making things about race. So you have people who say it doesn't always have to be about race. And I believe that what this aversion perpetuates is the erasure of the struggles of the black experience and the co-opting and appropriation of said experience. As one of my profs and mentors told me recently, when is it not about race? So hopefully you were able to follow me through this journey of deconstructing all I had, I've read and my experience of watching both Living Single and Friends. And it was something different for me, but I, I think it was important for me to talk about it. So hopefully you'll like it. I mean, I like it. So hopefully you'll like it. So that's the end of the episode. But before I leave you, I just have a few questions for you to reflect on after listening to this. So the first question is, do you believe it is a fair statement to say that friends ripped off living single? Because I believe it's more than fair to say that, but I want to know what you folks think. And my second question is, what are some other examples you can come up with of mainstream culture appropriating black culture and promoting it as its own? So I have, those are my two questions that are related to this week's episode, but I also have two questions that are unrelated, but to this week's episode but related to one of my gratitudes and it's from the same bible plan I was talking about and basically the question is what will you start today no matter how uncertain afraid or stuck you might feel what do you need to start doing to move in the direction of the life story you want to tell so thank you for listening to me for the past 30 minutes Um, hopefully I didn't ramble on and even if I did hopefully you were able to follow me um in my rambles and take something from it and if you were let me know um don't forget to like comment subscribe and all that other good stuff send me a dm send me a tweet i'm still waiting hopefully one of these days somebody will send me a dm or a tweet after they've read the message and yeah that would be lovely i would love to hear from you um these next two weeks um hopefully it's two weeks i promise two weeks and i deliver two weeks this time so you know Let's see how life takes us. These next two weeks, don't forget to be unapologetically intentional. Thank you and good okay.